So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I reminisce on our 2021 year, a nice little retrospect and a look ahead at 2022, the year we're currently in. So I hope you all had a great Christmas and New Year's and uh, now yeah, welcome to the New Year. So um, yeah, for episode 77 of Easy Conversations, I'm extremely excited of course to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope everyone had great, a uh, great Christmas and New Year's, and you guys spent time with family, ate a bunch of delicious food and some great drinks, and um, I hope you're all excited for tonight's episode. We're gonna be talking about a show that me and Eric both, well, if I may say for you, Eric both love. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you introduce the show right now, without further ado. Yeah, so for this episode, we're going to be talking about the Netflix hit series, The Witcher, which premiered in 2019, starring Henry Cavill, and um, has become a smash hit ever since. And this is a show that I was looking forward to making a um, podcast episode on from the jump. I even remember when I was, I finished season one of The Witcher back in, I think I finished it in 2019, I tweeted out like, oh, we're going to do a Witcher pod down the road for sure. And I didn't probably wasn't enough out of just one season to make a full to dedicate a full episode out of it but now that season two is released and we crushed it in anticipation of this we have enough source material to go off so since we haven't really talked about the witcher i thought we could go back and give a season by season breakdown pair seasons talk about our favorite characters all that so matt i'll throw it over to you first when you first watched season one of the witcher what were your initial thoughts oh that's easy my initial thoughts were i was very very confused and I didn't know what was going on until I rewatched season one with my mother with subtitles on. My initial thoughts are very like confusing, muddling storyline and a lot of time jumps. And I was, I didn't know if I was going to be a fan of it, to be honest, until I rewatched season one pretty much right after I, right away with subtitles on. And then I got all the names, the places, and I could understand more. And then once that happened, I, I fell in love with the show, Eric. The the lore, like the mythos, like everything in the show, like the mythology I love and just the look of the characters and the world. That's that's the biggest takeaway for me of The Witcher without getting into too much details yet. It's just like the world of The Witcher is like my favorite part. So yeah, for me, it was not necessarily similar. Like I've, obviously, I love the world right away. Like from the first scene, I was hooked. You just see like you open on this dark swamp and then a monster emerges from the swamp and the waters and with our main our protagonist, Geralt, just going toe-to-toe with this beast, arachnid beast. And I had heard, so I was a little, not late, but I, wa- I started watching the show maybe a month after it premiered and I had heard from friends at the office that there were different timelines and that it was a little confusing and that you should watch with subtitles. So I went in kind of with with an advantage kind of like if i had read the book dune before going to see the movie it's a little um prerequisite information going into it so i was kind of looking for okay what is happening when kind of thing like i didn't obviously i didn't clue in immediately as to which storyline was the present what was the past but by episode three it became clear which storyline is happening when. Like Yennefer's story is the past, Geralt's is, let's say, the middle, and then Ciri's is the present. And they all slowly yet surely meet up as we progress through the season. So yeah, like you, I was hooked. The action in the first episode is some of the best, honestly, in the whole series. Like I love the final fight scene at the end of that episode with Geralt uh, when he becomes the Butcher of Blaviken, I think is the name of the town. And um, his fight with Renfri. Yeah, I mean, episode one sets it up perfect. Like you said, Eric, like it, it gives us a taste of what we're going to be in for for this, like, God knows how many seasons of the show we're going to get. Hopefully, like, at least eight. 
but like the action is so well done and the creatures look cool like they put a lot of money into it and it shows like the production value of the witcher is top notch in my opinion agreed yeah right and like after the first scene where Geralt's fighting the monster like that's primarily his, that's his main job like I didn't know how much of that we were going to see throughout the show like are we going to get a different monster every episode is this going to be one of the main focuses but it kind of like pops here and there they make it kind of like a side quest to what's really happening so I like that a lot actually it's not just primarily like monster hunting it's more like a political political power play show like Game of Thrones which is what I like you know kingdoms trying to get the other upper hand on another one a brotherhood of mages like trying to like control everybody i don't know i like i like the whole scope of the show it's very encompasses a lot of different things not just like a man rescues girl or like a simple like a storyline like a western where it'd be super simple and linear this has like giant scope and we jump back and forth just like game of thrones between like following little stories i love that's like that's my thing i love tv shows like that eric where you're like, okay, now you're following them, now you're following them. And if a show can make every story very interesting and intriguing, then they've succeeded. But if you're like, ah, oh, now we have to cut back to these guys, ah, oh, I hate it. Like, Thoreau Sam and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, but well in, perfect example. In this show, I think the two strongest storylines, in my opinion, of season one were the Geralt and Yennefer plots. Like, I think series is probably the least interesting for me anyways it was, but it still had yeah. a lot of intrigue, like with the doppelganger Mouse Sack when he meets up with them and you know oh, that yeah. it's not the friendly face she thinks she's been reunited with. And then even her little misadventure in the woods with the wood elves and seeing the aftermath of um, Sintra falling. What you said about Geralt, like the monster hunting not really being the primary focus of his arc, is like a few episodes even open of him finishing a quest that we don't even see him slaying the monster. He just pops up with like the head of this beast that he's slain and he's accomplished a quest. And then we see him, I don't know, go on another quest, but that doesn't necessarily have a monster hunt component to it. Like there, it, it happens at least twice in season one, which I liked. And then you sure. see him and Yaskir just play off one another. And I, I think they have a solid dynamic, honestly. I know a lot of people aren't a fan of Yaskir. I know my dad wasn't a fan of his at all. Just found him annoying. But I think he's a pretty solid comic relief. Definitely in season one, he was really solid. And that's also what I liked about season one was like the kind of episodic feel of like these mini stories that Geralt and Yaskir go on that also mm -hmm. move the plot forward and show us what kind of character Geralt is and what's kind of what his code of honor is like. Yeah, I mean, then it obviously leads up to him meeting up with Yennefer and uh, their romance that blossoms out of it. So that's why I said for like earlier that those two storylines are my favorites. That um, Yeah, they're the most interesting characters in season one, in my opinion. I also love the whole... Uh yennefer like being recruited and like her going to like mage school and what for like i don't remember maybe there's a like a term they use but just Aratusa. like that school yeah r2 like what her and r2 are basically like learning her discipline and like the passage of time that goes by like for us it's instant but like so many years of training i love that episode where she first gets there and meets her uh, colleagues i guess or mm -hmm. classmates no i love that stuff Eric. well remind me of like a dark harry potter you know like yeah. you're learning how to do this and it's very unforgiving does one of the students like lose their hands or I, I I can't remember Eric. Does like once do some students like get sent away or killed off during the training or? Yeah, a few of the students end up becoming eels because they ah. they can't uh, ascend for some reason. I don't really get into why. I think it's only like survival of the fit, the strong survive. 
Shout out okay. Mob Deep. And only the elites really get to graduate and become the mages for their respective kingdoms, right? So okay. the eels still serve a purpose. They're like the conduits is what they're called that kind of feed Aratuza's magic. Okay. So... No, it's super okay. interesting. I love uh, what happens at Artuza as well. And yeah. uh, Tissaia, like how at first you kind of hate her because she's yeah. just really stone cold and harsh with Yennefer, but you end up finding out that she truly cares for her and yeah. Yennefer is her favorite student, right? So I like their dynamic and bond that develops through this show. I really like, like, Fringella. Yep. I really like her character in terms of, like, interesting. She does such, that actress does such a good job of portraying her and like I like the stuff in season 2 with her. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that after, but I just like that whole dynamic of because you know she's going to go to Nilf. Like is that explained? Like is she they don't select where they go, right? They're told where to go. Yep. So like basically her fate was cast when she was told, "Well, you're going to be the representative of Nilfgaard." And like that huge into like what happens in season 2, right? Like it just got the dice rolling for like destiny and fate, I guess. So Actually, that wasn't how it happened. She actually ends up going to Nilfgaard because Yennefer disobeyed her commands that she was supposed to go to another kingdom. And then they ended up changing their minds and wanting to send Yennefer to Nilfgaard. And Yennefer refused and she ascends on her own and joins the ball later. And the king of the kingdom that Yennefer initially wanted to go to is just enthralled by her and casts uh-huh. Fringilla aside. So Yennefer took Fringilla's spot and Fringilla, as a result, had to go to Nilfgaard because Yennefer inserted herself and threw some chaos into the mix. So Yennefer is partially responsible for what ends up happening in the show, or not partially, directly responsible. Had she gone to Nilfgaard, who knows what kind of show we're getting, right? So Right, okay. And that's stuff oh. that you really pick up a lot more upon further or subsequent viewings and with subtitles on. Like you said, like I watched it from the jump with subtitles. Otherwise, I would have been completely lost. I, and I know you told me, like, rewatch season one. Like, admittedly, folks, I didn't rewatch season one because I just was concerned about watching season two and having enough time. But, like, I remember specific things from season one. Like, the episode where Yennefer and Geralt, like, fight this demon creature and it's like it's a very good bonding episode for them i guess and it's a very like like let's be it's a very steamy episode too in terms of like eye candy for men and women because i know like i mean henry cavill let's just talk about him for a second he does an amazing job as Geralt. like he is Geralt. just the look that rolled up sleeves the hair like it's he's awesome and the eyes like threw me off for a second like his contact lenses but like you ignore that right away and you're like that is it is him Mm -hmm. i just love the look of those characters do you remember what the name of that demon was called in that episode it's a djinn so basically a genie right and like she tries to capture command the djinn become its master so she can have everything basically it's not really clear what she wants her like what her wish three wishes would be but she essentially makes it clear that she wants everything Geralt ends up becoming the master of the djinn and he casts two wishes prior to that and I think his third one is essentially to free Yennefer from her lust for power and make her want him or something like that it's they're basically tied together through destiny but also through Geralt's last wish for the djinn and like it sets her free and then they become tied together instead of her being tied to a lust for power is my understanding of it that was my favorite ep- like the battle of sodden at the end is really like really cool the last episode the finale but like that that episode was my favorite with the djinn because i remember watching that like twice re-watching it just to like because i'm like i know i missed stuff there even if i had subtitles i had to like 
I gotta rewatch some of this. Like the finale to me was epic. Like when they're traveling and then they they basically have to like a hold like a fork or a bridge, right, Eric? Yeah, like it's a, have to kind of like a, a little... fork. Yeah. Yeah. That, that has was a bridge. Cool. In front I remember. Of it, so you know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember like that was epic. I could have watched like eight hours of just that. Mm-hmm. Like medieval fighting to me is the best type on film, right? Love it. Right. So. In that, so just for the Jin episode, that's actually the episode that Geralt and um, Yennefer meet for the first time, right? Like they mm. go to her, basically her little kingdom, to free Askir of the Jin because he like lost his voice by trying to capture the Jin, and then he brings Yaskir to her to heal him, and that's how they meet. Blah blah blah. But for the Battle of Sodden, I love that episode as well, and Yennefer uses her chaos magic in the end to um, basically win the battle for them, for the Brotherhood. There's also, like, a pretty solid fight scene in that episode between Velgafords. And so this is the mage who recruits Yennefer when she's in, like, this um, archaeological site with Istrid in, like, the seventh episode. And um, he's, like, a powerful figure in the Brotherhood as well. He and Kahir, so the, um, the main villain in season one, the general of Nilfgaard. They have a solid fight scene. Yeah, I just thought I'd highlight that fight scene. I was not a fan of Velgafords in season two, I will say, just as a preamble before we get to that. I didn't really like where his character went. Like, he became power-hungry, whereas in season one, he looked like a, a solid bastion of hope and optimism. So, like, having these names next to you while you're watching the episode, or, like, watching with subtitles is a must because throwing these names out there, especially the ones that are introduced in season two, you'd know... Oh, I, I don't like or I like that person, but knowing the names is kind of tricky. So that's why subtitles are a must for this show. I forgot, honestly, watching season two, I was like, I recognize Valga 4, but I'm like, holy crap. Like, I, I didn't remember him in season one, Eric. Like, mm. that's how that's how crazy and a lot of stuff's going on. He pops up in, like, the last two episodes of this. Oh, okay, okay. Definitely season two did not come out a year after season one, right? Like, that would have helped, obviously, if a year later we get season two and I'm, like, I'm more fresh. Because it had, like you said, it's been a good two years, two years. right? So, and we've, we watch a ton of stuff in between, like you watch a ton of shows and I watch a ton or try to watch a ton of movies. But, uh, I remember like talking about the Witcher season one, like with coworkers and like people are asking me if I'm recommending it. And I told them, I said like, you have to love, you have to really love fantasy and for, they're not going to give you the easy answers and like, oh, this is happening because of this. Like you have to figure it out for yourself basically, which can be very unforgiving for people that just want to just sit down and they don't want to think they just entertain me. This The Witcher is very entertaining, but it also, I can see people thinking it's super boring because like, I don't give a shit what's going on. It's so complicated. I just want to see fight scenes. So The Witcher is a very rewarding show if you put the time and effort into it to understand and to think definitely not a show for like kids or teenagers that have short attention spans now i don't know if we want to jump to season two or do you have more stuff for season one because i i i my point is kind of tying into what i want to say for season two yeah, we might have the similar point to make in that season one yeah. i feel like has way more action and some it gets kind of simpler in the sense that they're building up this universe but they don't get into too many details as to the kingdoms and the political aspect that much in season one there still is a lot going on behind the scenes like with the brotherhood and Strigobor trying to like pull the strings with them with the brotherhood and stuff but season two really introduces way more characters and another kingdom even that um isn't really explained how important or how major they are 
And um, that's the one um, that has the mage called Dijkstra, the bald yeah. guy with the goatee. And he looks like he's going to be a terrifying villain in season three, which we're going to talk about later. But I found that season two, I think, got worse reviews than season one. I had heard from one of my friends like the day after it was released that a lot of people were complaining about it online in that the storyline was a little messier and it was all over the place. But I think... That's because season two is expanding the world of The Witcher a lot more and setting up a lot of what's to come in season three with this major war for Sintra and the power that lies there. That was kind of obviously hinted at and presented in season one that there is something there in Sintra and that might be Siri or whatever key she is to unlocking future uh, like powers. We'll see. But there's just a lot more that was introduced in season two with like the elves too and like what their mm-hmm. stake in the mm-hmm. game is. I love the introduction of the elves and they kind of reminded me of kind of like the um like Native Americans who yeah. like who own the lands. They were the first ones there and like they made quite a few explicit points to say like, Oh, these are our forests or the name of this land is Zintria, not Sintra and like I really like that inclusion in there as well. Those are my opening thoughts on season two. Well, how about you, Matt? What did you think of the season? On like, I thought season two. I don't know if that's it's gonna sound weird, but I thought season two was a lot easier to follow for me. Maybe it's because I had subtitles on right away. But like, I rewatched a couple episodes of season two. You know, when you're not paying attention and drifting off a little, you're like, okay, I better like rewatch that scene. I did that quite a few times because I knew that like they're they're not wasting any moments. Like every scene, if it looks useless on the surface like no it's gonna come back everything they say is gonna come back eventually i'm thinking more like episode two or episode one episode two where there's a lot of like dialogue scenes but you know it's all gonna come back the scenes with yennefer and frangilla when they're like captives like all that stuff like to me i was like why are they showing this but it all comes back i love the whole elf aspect they're super strong right like you see them fight and they have like magic but like they just they don't have the numbers they don't have they have the problem of like there's not more of them they're immortal but like they said they haven't had a natural birth in so long i love that whole aspect of like the elven i guess she's a queen yeah i think so that's like kind of how i took her francesca her husband, yeah because her husband's like the leader so yeah. but like her like her being pregnant like i love that whole aspect to me season two really shines the Geralt and siri scenes like that's what i wanted to see the most in season two her upbringing her her training when like as soon as they go to care morhen like the Witcher stronghold, like I was like, oh, this is awesome. And meeting all the other Witchers, like Vesemir and Lamb yeah. Chop, Lambert, yeah, <laughs> the guy with the like wavy hair, yeah, the redhead, yeah, that was cool. Like you said, they expanded on like explaining more on the Witchers, how witches are created, and all that. Expanding more on like the politicals of Nilfgaard and like Frangela was trying to use the elves but i I just remember there's a part where kahir's like don't like don't forget like why we're doing this don't like like i think frangilla wants to use the elves as like allies but then kahir's like no we want to uh this is our true purpose like remember that scene in episode seven where kahir's kind of like threatening her and then frangilla's like well you forget who i am like i i can i'm a mage and she basically like kills off all the generals that was a badass scene right just flexing her magical powers To me, that was like that was as good as any horror film. That like gore, that gore level. That was like I had to rewatch that twice. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I know the whole the Frangilla Kahir scenes were really good. Once they get to Sintra, I really like that when he eventually gets there. Kahir's journey in this season is pretty like crazy. Going from a captive getting tortured to like fleeing with Yennefer in the in the tunnels to like 
I like that character a little more in this season. I kind of hated him in season one. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like his face. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I just want to comment um, on Kahir. Yeah, so yeah. me too, okay. especially given how season two started, we see he's prisoner or captive by Tessay and she's just going to town yeah. torturing this man, putting his mind in a pretzel. I thought yeah. from that scene on that it was going to be the Kahir redemption tour and I was all for it. You know what? I was kind of hoping, me too. I, something about his face, I just want to, punch it but i thought we were gonna see him grow and become somewhat of a redeemable and likable character that wasn't really the case honestly for me he remained very hateable from point a to point b which is from season from the start of the season to the end of the season but now i think that in season three we're gonna get the redemption tour for kahir but no i really liked Okay, you said a lot in your opening statements as well. So, Siri and Geralt loved their dynamic. Like, the father-daughter vibe. I was a fan from the jump. One thing that I noted in this season was that we got a lot of tandems in Season 2. This was the the season, season 2... Number two was the magic number. We got a lot of scenes of two characters sharing the screen. Interactions and dynamics that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Kahir Yennefer, prime example. They spent quite a bit of time together. And I honestly thought that they were going to go. They were leading us up to a Kahir and Yennefer versus Geralt and Ciri. I would have been all for that as well. It's all good that it didn't turn out like that. But that's where I thought they were going to go. Like a lead up and a meet up at Sintra is what they were kind of hinting at and then you get uh, Frangilla and Yennefer again together Siri Geralt Geralt Istrid then Tissaia Velgaforts Tissaia Yennefer so Tissaia Yennefer is like the mother-daughter foil to Geralt's father-daughter tandem with Siri. Vesemir and Triss had a lot of scenes together so anyway I'm not gonna keep listing pairs I think that was all of them anyways so um <laughs> I really enjoyed season two honestly I feel like it got a bad rep like you said the the training at Kaer Morin for like the witchers and all that. My call from episode one was that Siri was going to become a witcher. It was so close to, they had the freaking serum yeah. right in her arm and Geralt wouldn't allow it. I would have loved to see that happen. And honestly, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that happens. I would have just been a fan to see that. But Siri was for me, the breakout character of season two. I feel like she, she was a freaking badass in this season. I had a lot of swagger to her confident became like she's a threat we only know we've only seen like the tip of the iceberg as far as what her abilities are like everyone's after her. she's the key so i think we're going to see her at, at an even higher level of power in next season i i agree with siri eric i didn't really care for her in season one but one of my favorite characters for season two i really like the episode um sorry the moment the, basically every scene with Eskel, he was one of the witchers that had like the vine on his shoulder. Groot. And like that, how that goes down with like a three-way fight with Vesemir, Geralt, and him like in that room, like and his eventual death. Like that was, there was some emotional stuff there because like Vesemir did not want him to die because he's like a father to all of them, right? And like that was like, there's some like foreshadowing there for what's going to happen in the last episode. And I really like that. True. Uh, Vesemir was probably one of my favorite characters, to be honest. Just his look, like his handle, his mustache. Like, I don't know. He looked badass to me. He looked exactly what I want yep. him to, how I want him to. Sick and hairline. All, yeah. And like uh, his interactions with Geralt were all gold. Yep. No, but I like that, like that plant thing. And then that gets killed by like an even bigger demon. And then which leads to like the monolith, like search for like a portal that's open, I guess. Yep. And that's when you get Geralt and uh, Istred. Yeah, like the historian. Like there was some good. Like he was almost like the the explanations for us. Where like okay, we got the exposition. Yeah. yeah, thank you. 
I don't know. I didn't mind that, any of that. Like, it sets up what happens at the end. And I, like, we won't, let's not talk about that last episode just yet. But, like, that's all, like, amazing foreshadowing to what's going to happen. Speaking of foreshadowing, I think episode two, you meet, like, the, the deathless mother. Mm, yep. Like, to me, like, that's one of the main things in season two is, like, her the emergence of like a super powerful demon that all the witchers had captured before and in prison and now she's like they're hearing her voice again and they they go to that cabin and and you like they explain like how Yennefer's chaos magic works and Francesca heard her like three of them heard her right they all Francesca. had their own respective vision and Francesca yeah. and Frangilla I think had the same vision is what I got out of it anyways yeah. like it was just going back and forth between the two of them like the deathless mother was saying similar very close to the same thing. And then Yennefer was getting her own little monologue there. But I love that yeah. as well. There are so many visions in season two. And it might have been chaotic for some people. Like, there's a lot of it. Especially with Siri. Like, you see... That's what I like too. Like, the foreshadowing and the presenting of potential futures as to, like... Okay, there's a, a multiverse of possibilities for what is going to become out of Siri. Right? She can either be the key to saving the world or the atomic bomb that's going to destroy everything, right? So I love that. And it kind of made me think of Dune, how we got visions of Paul and what he can become as well. Anyways, the last Dune reference I'm going to make for this episode. And um, and (laughs) I'm really, I loved everything that season two introduced on us. Like just talking about it right now is making me want to rewatch season two because there are surely a lot of things that I missed. And I was actually going along as I was watching the episodes, episode by episode, taking little notes as to what was happening and I'm, I just read them all before doing this episode. And, like, there's a lot that happened in season two. And if I hadn't done that, I surely would have forgotten a lot of things that happened. So I think because they move around so much in this season, like, I found, like, the traveling in season two, especially because there's only one timeline now, you do have to keep track of where everyone's going and what's happening. And it's super easy to forget, like, oh, Istrid went to this house to find out about the, the elven prophet who Siri might be, right? Like, that comes up in the last episode, too. It's like these little interactions that happen. And like you said, everything is on the screen for a reason. Like I'm bringing it back to the homeboy Dijkstrub, the Obadiah Stane comparable. He was there for a reason, like just showcasing a, like a, we're getting a glimpse at the terror that he's going to bring. Anyways, a lot going on in season two. I love Dijkstra. Like that's, (laughs) he played one of the dwarves in the Hobbit movies. I like that actor a lot. He's like he was like the badass uh, hobbit. No, uh, badass dwarf. Oh, is he like the tall uh, dwarf? Yeah, he like the bigger dwarf. Okay, like, wow, man, uh, never would have yeah, yeah. that. But no, I love Dijkstra, and like his king has a very similar name. To, it's like Vizimir. Yes, it's yeah, exactly it's something like super that. similar. Yeah, to Vesemir. Oh. I think it is Vizimir. Yeah, Vizimir. Yeah, because yes. I knew it was like wait, there's Vesemir. Viz- it doesn't matter. Their interactions <laughs> were funny because it's like Dijkstra could squash him like a bug if you wanted, but like you yeah. know he's his. They're, they worked it, it, exactly i like when he just appears like in front of the brotherhood and they're like oh what is he doing here and you know like you said eric it's all like set up for season three and like good stuff to come oh also like there was a mini like this is like a blink and you miss storyline like side storyline but like the whole power struggle within the brotherhood of like ousting stragobor and the other dude yep uh, fringilla's uncle i forget his name like ousting them to have to say like take command and, and like that does happen right it's very yeah, like velga Fords takes control of the brotherhood with to as well but it's, with Tissaia, they're making it, it seem like velga Fords is the guy because he's basically okay. getting to to do what she what he wants her to do and by basically banishing yennefer taking the fall yeah. 
for um, the ballot Sodan. But now Stregobor is giving me major Palpatine vibes. Every time he gives off a speech and like removes, shows that he doesn't have hands, like he lost his hands in yeah, a prior combat in the past. So kind of appealing like, that he's like not that yeah. as bad a guy as he's presenting himself to be. He's dealt with loss and like showing off yeah. some vulnerability, but I still hate him. Actually, a lot of characters I hated in this season, like Stregobor, Velga Fords, uh, Istrid, I'm not a fan of. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, on Istrid, but I'm just not a fan yeah. of his. Me neither. Yenna? Yen. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when he was talking, when he, he and Geralt are just like uh, looking for the monolith and all that there and... Uh, they're both talking. Oh, about yeah, it was like, she's alive? Yeah. 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 I mean, I like Yaskier in season one. I loved him even more in season two because, I don't know, I fe- like, we feed him the best lines. Like, the doc scene is, I think everyone will remember that scene if they watch it. It's like, should I say something? Yeah. I ha- like, he's basically talking to himself saying, don't do it. Oh, shit, I got to do it. And then he insults the doc guy because he insults his music. I mean, you don't do that to a bard. No, especially not one of Yaskier's caliber. Right. No, he was great. I was pumped when we saw him come back again. Like season two was Me also too. like a season one reunion tour as well. Like yeah. almost every single character from season one makes an appearance in season two. The ones that are alive, even the ones that aren't, they come back. And whenever when they repeated that it was a singer, like um, uh, they had a name for the so- song Piper, I think was um, Yaskier's like mantle, something like that. Okay. Sandpiper. I don't know. I knew it would be him at that yeah, point, but before yeah, yeah. then it hadn't. Uh, Hadn't clicked. The one helping to smuggle, yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought season two ended on such, like... I love, like, the last two episodes. These seasons only have eight episodes. It's like, they start off a little, like, slow, air quotes. Mm. But then, like, I find they pick up so much, and then you're like, oh, it's over already? What the hell? Like, how season two ends, Eric? The last shot or whatever. It's like, oh... I just want to watch more right now, that reveal. Episode 7, episode 8, were like, they crammed in so much. Like, it's the whole, like, Ver... What's the demon's name? Like, Val Morlith? Do you remember her name? Basically, the Deathless Mother. Yeah. Volith Mare. Volith nice. Mare. You get to see her, like, come out in full force and, like, show her capabilities. I mean, Eric, her scenes in Care in Care Mo- Mohan, like, how badass was that when she, like, she was fighting all the witchers and, like, summoning her pets, basically? Like, oh my god. Could have watched that all day. Siri was killing it too with the evil acting there, like the green contact lenses and sending yeah. those basilisk dragons in there. Like I love yeah. that. The final fight scene was amazing. I found. Mm-hmm. I also love like the dream sequences as well that were keeping Siri pulled out of her like physical body and just seeing the homie Mouse Sack return just brought a tear of joy to my eye. And uh, then seeing Calanthe as well was all right. And then we get to see Siri's parents. And one of my friends mm. actually picked up on the fact that when Siri finally leaves the dream, all the characters yeah. that are dead fade away, but her father didn't fade away, apparently. I didn't pick up on that. Oh, and going which... into the season, my call was that Siri's parents were not dead because okay. they just get it just gets mentioned offhand that, oh, they died in a... A shipwreck or whatever like i knew yeah. they would come back in some capacity i didn't know it would be in this capacity like, that was an amazing twist that yeah. the white flame like this looming terror above them all for like the last two seasons is actually series father but it was kind of clear by the time they got to the end that Geralt even is questioning oh how do they know that siri had elder blood and like that she's the key to all this and then it cut to nilfgaard then it clicked i was like okay it's probably but i still wasn't 100 percent sure and then when he turned, like, I wasn't that surprised, but it was still like, holy shit, like, it's, 
it is him. Like, Dooney is the main villain, Emir. And now, like, that's why I said earlier that we might get to see the Kahir and Fringilla redemption tour because they straight up lied to yeah. his face saying that they yeah. plotted and like they orchestrated the, all the baby killing which was brutal so um no that was, we're in for a treat in season three and i'm interested to see like what kind of powers the white flame has because we even got to see dooney like he's a a pretty formidable swordsman himself like when calanthe in season one orders to have him killed he fights off like a good 20 or so amount of her men kills them all so like he's gonna be a solid villain in season three no i love that where they get caught in a lie and then it's like uh oh but what i also loved was francesca like losing her kid and then her exiting yeah. the city and well, oh my god yeah, like basically killing all those those babies is like oh when the crying stops eric that was like full goosebumps yeah you know they're all freaking out and then oh my god that was brutal Back to episode one, okay? You know, like, where Geralt... Like, I watched that episode twice because I remember I watched it and then my girlfriend wanted to watch it. So I'm like, okay, we're going to rewatch episode one. Like, when he's talking to it... Like, not not a lot happens in that episode with Geralt and Siri, But rewatching it, like, everything, like, that he's talking... Like, his old buddy that's now, like, a pig man or whatever or a boar. Yeah, boar man. Like, everything that's said is, like... It's not like every like I said like we said before it's not just for nothing like they some of that stuff comes back like about telling the truth and like what's really happening I really I really appreciate stuff like that to me episode one was like okay like we're gonna show Geralt fight a creature and then we get like the foreshadowing of like him telling Siri like stay with the horse like don't get involved which comes back later on which by the way the ho- uh, roach that was brutal heartbreaking I didn't like that it was heartbreaking literally at the start of that episode when they're just walking in the woods and we see roach again i'm like this horse is still alive i was pumped yeah. i was like good for him like that he's still around and then of course yeah. he happens to die like five yeah. minutes later i just couldn't believe that roach was actually still around because at the start of season one of the show we're like way in the past so like this is an old horse right I just couldn't believe that it was actually Roach still. Well, he's definitely, like, has magical properties, but he's not invincible. I mean, those claw marks. They run deep. Episode 1 of Season 2 kind of sets up, like, the Siri-Geralt dynamic of, like, where she's going to listen to him or not listen to him. And she's stubborn, but in the right way. You know, when she's doing that, like, training with Lambert and the other guy where they're like, oh, you can't pass this obstacle course, which, what a badass obstacle course. Like, first time she gets past the first one, it's like, this blade slices her arm open. I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Super unforgiving. Like, I like that. The the training montage was cool. And and she barely, like, she's about to finish and, like, falls at the end and Geralt's like, ugh. What did he say? Like so close or something? Mm, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, that that was cool. Like that's that's the humor of the show, and that's like the lighthearted moments where you know, like no one's, because it is a dark show, right, Eric? Like it's a very, I'm I'm laughing when Yaskier's talking, and that that may be about it, right? When kids slice their arms open, it's hilarious. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, Yaskier is definitely like, the most like blatantly obvious comic relief character. Yeah. Geralt has some pretty funny lines. Like, there's a lot of, obviously, quips and banter between Yennefer and Geralt, which, like, some people yeah. could find funny. It's, I don't find, like, it's knee-slapping comedy between the two of them. But yeah. there's definitely some, like, witty little jabs in there. Like, Yaskir has a lot of jabs towards Yennefer. Yeah. Not necessarily witty, just overt, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I want to shovel shit in your face kind of thing. I feel like he said stuff along those lines. He's just not, not a Yen guy. But, no. um... And no, you're right. Geralt does have funny lines, though. Like in the Fuck. first episode, he's like, his his friends like, oh, he's like, I have a lot of st-. like, he's like, what have you been up to? And then his friends like, 
Geralt's friend's like, oh, well, do you have a whole bottle of wine? And then he's like, what have you been up to? He's like, oh, do you have a whole wine cellar? Because, you know, they haven't seen each other in so long. Just, like, funny quips like that. You're right. Honestly, Yennefer in season two, Eric, not, like, I wasn't super thrilled like I was in season one. I felt like, I don't know, maybe she took more of a backseat to Ciri. 100%. Yeah. Like, I was a little disappointed in that. And the fact that she, like, lost her magic, too, it looked like yeah. an opportunity to kind of not redeem her necessarily, but make her a more grounded person, not have these ambitious dreams of, like, wanting to control everything. That, that's her motivation in season one. She wants everything. Like, she wants to rule and kind of punish those who wronged her when she didn't have her magical ability. So now she was stripped of that. And I thought that that would be a good opportunity for her to be, like, redeemed, like I said. They didn't really go that route. She still was, like, kind of selfish. But in the end, she did sacrifice herself and, like, to become the host to the um, Voleth Mayor or whatever yeah. her name is, the Deathless Mother. And then, like, yeah. a few minutes later, she ended up leaving her body. So it didn't really add up to that much. But still, it was um, a selfless act by Yen. And uh, you love to see it. But I agree. She wasn't one of the standout characters. Like, even Triss Marigold ended up having oh. a bigger role and, like, was more likable than Yen in this season. Like I said, Siri breakout character of season two. Geralt is still the man. Triss yep. was gold. Mouse Sack stole the show in the finale. <laughs> that was wasn't that cool. No, but like that dream sequence was awesome. I, I loved, loved it. it. Like that's how Voleth Mir is like keeping her like pushed away in her mind. It's awesome. And like the whole, uh, I don't know about you, but I love like the scene where they they go into the portal and they're in like the underworld or whatever you want to call it. Like so, question for you: What do you think all those spheres are? Right, because they talk about the spheres a lot in the last few episodes. Are we going to? Yeah like different universes different parts of this world is it are different planets like what are your thoughts on all these uh, different places they're teleporting to now that you say that like to me it was like just like the underworld basically or hell but now that you say that there's more than one place so i think it is like another dimension or another universe um that they can cross over but like this universe here looked like hell and like everything was red and ashy and that was so cool. Most of the fantasy series I read have like the concept of like an underworld or like going to like where everything is death. Like that's a that's a concept that exists in full force in fantasy. And like I thought this is what we were seeing, but you're right. There's a lot of different like uh, orbs and stuff. I don't know. You're, you're making me think here. What do you think, Eric? Yeah. So up until like this morning, I was like I thought it was different universes, but then I gave it some thought, and like the word sphere kept coming up often, and like it made me think that maybe they're actually going to different planets. Like that's now what I'm oh. believing. And even in like the opening sequence of the finale, I don't know if you fast forwarded it. Like it's a different animation at the start of each episode, and this time you see like these big orbs colliding into one another so i am starting to be convinced that these are different planets they're going to and the way to cross from one planet to the other is through like these portals that someone's gonna open up and like those like the or if maybe if it is the underworld they're like those characters we saw them the witch hunt like those characters look like they're the big bads of the world of the witcher and like they're gonna be the main villains we'll see either next season or the one after that and just to your point that you said like at the start of the episode i hope we don't get eight seasons of the witcher because the content will surely be diluted let's right. let's see like five seasons of this and then just call it a day but i am um, looking forward to seeing what those villains look like and hopefully everyone unites to fight a common cause kind of like they didn't do in game of thrones where i thought even like cersei <laughs> and all of them would join forces against the um the night king 
I hope they yeah. go this route with The Witcher and have like Dooney be a good general. Kahir's the second in command, and then Geralt and Vesemir and all the Witchers are they've all joined forces there. So we'll see what they end up doing. But and also another question: Do you think they're gonna create more Witchers down the road? Yeah, I think a hundred percent. They've already teased that idea, so I think so. Um, like you, I was like, okay, Ciri's becoming a Witcher. Like I was pumped, but then. <laughs> Like any t- good TV show, you'll throw a curveball at the last second. I don't know. I like... We will definitely be seeing new Witchers. Honestly, like, right now, Siri is the most... Like, I want to follow her the most. Like, I want to know what's going to happen to her in season three. And, like, I know that actress, like, was a little younger in season one. And, like you said, like, her acting in season two is, like, so much better. Probably because she maybe became an adult. I don't know how old the actress is. She's, like, but, like 20, she, 21. Yeah. She did really well. Because, like, in season one, I'm like, oh, that's just, like, a little kid. And then, like, a few days later, she's an adult, basically, because the show picks up, like, (laughs) like, literally right after the end of season one. I thought there'd be a time jump, and we'd see, like, a fully formed Siri Witcher at the start of season two. But I was very okay that they picked up right away after season one. Also, in the finale, like, seeing all those, like, Witchers get killed, and, like, they're fighting in, like, the, the hall... And, like, Vesemir's, like, losing half his his brothers, and he's, like, he wants to just kill Ciri. Like, that whole thing was cool, I thought. Mm-hmm. Girl's like, give me a chance. I can rescue the body. And Vesemir's like, well, I'll give you a little bit of time, but, like, after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kill her, basically. That that whole dynamic was cool, and they kind of alluded to that when Vesemir, like, lost Eskel in episode two, I think, or episode three. Yeah, it was two. Hey, these witches are rare, right? Like, it takes a lot of losing. Like, they lost, like, maybe a third of their number against the basilisk that was so cool that when Geralt fights that big gold one he put it like down outside. real quick oh, too. i was like right a, took him like a quick neat two minutes to slice that thing open i was pumped like that just it just would... goes to show how strong Geralt is right like yeah. had he been involved in the fighting earlier maybe a few of the basilisk would have died quicker but then yeah. who knows what siri would have unleashed on them because he wouldn't have been there holding her yeah right like kind of restricting her magic so yeah, he was trying to get to her. That was cool, forming like an orb around her of like, yeah, that was cool, Eric. Like I, I honestly feel like rewatching that episode now just to like, because I like what you're saying with the spheres and yeah. I know there's so much. Did not see that at all. By the way, the whole M here reveal, like the white who the white flame is, series dad. Like did not see that at all, Eric. I was like, holy! Thank God they showed the whole dream sequence because I'm like, what did the parents even look like? And they show <laughs> them, and then that was cool. Do they show the parents in season one? Not at all, right? It's they, just no, like they are there in scene. one episode. You see in the past, like you basically see when Dooney, who's her dad, and Pavetta, when they become, when they marry, essentially. They're like, Calanthe okay. doesn't want him to marry her because he's like a, poor, a hedgehog. I don't know if you remember, he's like a hedgehog yep. knight. I found him hilarious in that look. Like I was kind of hoping he would have retaken that look on in season two, like when he turned around, like the hedgehog guys, you're the big bad. But yeah, no, and then it, it was that actor, which was cool oh, to like okay. see him again. But you're right, like had we not gotten to see them in the dream sequence, it wouldn't have been clear that it was him. But then he does say like pretty much his first lines, like "Bring me my daughter back" or something like that. So no, it's a big cliffhanger ending. What? What? Like. Uh, Kahir and Fringilla, what like that bold of them to like bluff like that like oh we ordered the baby's death it's like I know you did because I'm the one who did and yeah. it's like oh shit gutsy play but Kahir that's the thing he's power hungry hasn't learned anything really 
And right? like, he was kind of like a poor man's Jamie Lannister for me. Like, yeah. like he just goes through, is dragged through the mud all season. But then at the end of the day, like has the same ambitions and believes in their cause, which is fine. Like the white flame is also like a Lord of Light situation. Yeah. <laughs> like that no, they're absolutely. blindly following. But now I do think that in the next season, he and Fringilla might even join forces with Yennefer or something. And uh, they'll try to take down Dooney or like they'll be imprisoned again. I don't know. We'll see how they get out of it there. But and I It'd recognize the actor Kahir from uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, right? Oh. He was he's um Audrey's son. I definitely recognize him from something. Like he has the he's perfect for like like weird movies or horror. Like he has a perfect face for a horror movie, in my opinion. A hundred percent. He's um, he ain't no good guy. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Okay. The the Jamie Lannister comparisons. It's true. Like when he gets <laughs> when he finally gets smuggled back into Sintra, and it's like. He's talking to the guards. He's like, he's super like, he's not respectful. I was like, I'm, don't you like, I'm the commander of this. And he's kind of an asshole right away. And I'm like, man, you didn't get taught any humility or whatever. Like, calm down. He didn't. And then like shaves his beard or whatever. And he's back to who he was. So yeah, you're well said, Eric. Very, like he, he didn't learn anything. That was cool. That scene though, where Jennifer rescues him. Oh, I was so pumped. That was, what a way to end the episode too. And I kind of had a feeling she was going to free him because I don't know, like they kept looking at each other and it was like, Her executing him would basically be serving the agenda of these men who we don't really care about, right? Like we are invested in Yennefer's story at this point. She was also hearing the voice of the deathless mother tell, like, "Oh, to be free, you only have to say the word. Like you can choose to be what you want to be. Like you're in control of your destiny." And Yennefer's like, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna burn the place down and unleash more chaos," which is what she's done like the whole show. So it made sense at that point. I was pumped, honestly. Yeah, you knew they had to like keep the story going, so you knew something was gonna happen. I thought she was gonna kill him for a second. I'm like, oh no, they have to move the story along. Okay, you know what's like a it's super minor. It's I think it's Dijkstra. He's the one who like grabs Dara out of the prison. The elf. Yep. The elf guy. Yep. He and like he's gonna be our spy. Like I don't think did did I miss something or did that just not go anywhere and it was very minor. It's just his eyes and ears and Sintra basically. Yeah. So that was my um understanding of it too like it pretty much went nowhere like the last thing he relayed to them was that the elf baby was killed maybe or even maybe he had called it quits before then they're like oh now there's hope for us that the baby has been born i don't want to do this anymore that was definitely a confusing storyline that i would need to rewatch the show to pick up on like what the goal was of like planting dara there and why they were killing elves like they caught wind that there was a spy i don't know that was a bit confusing. Yeah. And that's why I said earlier, like, the storyline, in my opinion, maybe was a little messy. Like, there was a lot going on with the political angle, too, and, like, the Dijkstra kingdom being introduced now. And even, like, the the fire mage and his girl who f- sniffs Ciri's blood and gets half her face melted off. Like, well, we don't know anything about those characters, right? And, like, they're yeah. going to come back later, of course, and be a problem, especially the yeah. girl. Like... Those scenes went nowhere, in my opinion. And she even said, like, oh, my master is not here right now. Who's her master? Is it the White Flame? Who knows? So a lot that still is unexplained, which is fine, though. Not everything needs to be wrapped up and uh, bow-tied nicely, like the Hawkeye season finale that like, wrapped everything up nicely. And not, not No complaints on Hawkeye. I'm just saying it's not necessarily an expectation that everything's going to be resolved in the season finale. But that, that's cool. Like, I think people like that. That's what it's all about, too. 
we will have to talk about i forgot about hawkeye we'll talk about that later just like to summarize my thought i liked season two way more than like i like season two more than season one okay for the simple reason that it was more linear and everything followed like every episode followed the other I, I wasn't confused for one second as to what characters were doing in terms of like where they were going and like season one eric i was like very very confused with the time jumps uh, but season two to me was just felt more linear which just in that respect i liked it more Geralt was just as good in like in season two as season one they don't um action wise i think season one had maybe more badass action right it did yeah yeah like the finale of season two brought a lot of action but like it was a lot of like you said a lot of exposition in season two a lot of like well we got these guys we got that guy like Dijkstra with his like t- that owl i couldn't stop staring at that owl he had I'm like <laughs> is that like a person that became an owl and it's a spy or is that just a really smart owl i don't know we'll find out next season that's some good intrigue right going into the season it is it's cool to me it's like little character traits little things that like make a show better than like cheap imitators details like that now i know the show has a lot like a lot of money was sunk in and you get like top-notch costumes and like weapons and everything looks great just like Geralt's sword and so like i want Geralt's sword i don't know about you so cool right uh the look the witcher to me is like I don't know if I'll say as cool as like Tolkien's Middle Earth, but like to me, it like reminds me of like how into it, like I'm into like Lord of the Rings is my favorite, but like in The Witcher, I'm getting more and more like obsessed with the world. Like I want to know more. I want to know more about, and I bet you like those who love the video games know so much more and they're like, yeah, in the video games, they show like so much detail and explain things, which I think the video game is more about slaying monsters than like watching kingdoms fight against each other. Right. So but uh it's such a cool world to me and i don't want to wait two more years for another season i hope it's like but i mean henry cavill he must be busy right they got to film around his schedule so did you like season two more than season one? Oh no i did not i preferred season mm-hmm. one honestly like i like like i said earlier like kind of like the mandalorian style like mini stories in each episode that resolve themselves but also move the plot forward and I, okay. I preferred the action in season one. I thought that um, there's more diversity too. For me, like the plot was kind of maybe not easier to follow in season one. I mean, I guess on rewatch it was easier. So we'll see after watching season two again what my thoughts okay. are on like everything that was going on. Like we were talking about earlier, like there's a bunch of stuff that I still missed. Like as far as Dara is concerned, the Fire Mage, even the Monolith stuff. Like there's probably more to pick up on there, which is good though. Like there, I like that there's more to learn with each rewatch of the season but i still have to give the edge to season one like yennefer's plot i found was better in season one obviously Geralt was unreal and like the variety was great i loved the dragon episode we didn't even really touch on that i thought that was one of the better episodes in season one yeah cool monsters but very close like it'd be a slight edge to season one but what season two did so well is the world expanding building off what season one introduced which i love that i'm a big fan of whenever shows are able to do that successfully which season two did and now i'm looking forward to seeing what those additional sections of the witcher world are going to bring to the table like you i want to learn more about the witcher and there's not only the video games to delve into but also there are a bunch of books to read which my brother actually got my mom for christmas so i'm going to be getting in on those when she's done reading them and um <laughs> yeah i mean there's so much i want to learn about the witcher as well so um i'm looking forward to the next season i do hope it's not two years again hopefully at the end of 2022 we can get season three and I think they were delayed by COVID as well, though, right? Like, that's ah. probably what caused the two-year gap in between seasons. And hopefully this becomes 
Henry Cavill's primary project that he only devotes his time to The Witcher because, like you said, he's badass as Geralt. Like, the long hair, the eyes, the the drip, like, the, the armor and the yeah. sword is just unreal. So I'm looking forward to um, Season 3. Hopefully Dijkstra gets taken out. Oh, I want to see him. I want to see him fight and, like, I want to see what he can do. He's going to be like a young Galbatorix. <laughs> oh, that's a deep, like, ref. That's like Aragon reference right there. Yep. Jesus. Oh, man. But no, I, I was let's definitely talk, a big fan. Let's forget about of, that movie. I was a big fan of season two. I crushed it in, like, less than a week, honestly. And I could have finished it up even quicker. But I was kind of watching, like, a limit of two episodes per night. Even one some days. So, um, just to... Sp- like not yeah. blitz and then just be done and like have to wait like potentially two years for another season. So yeah. um, I'm probably gonna rewatch this season like relatively soon, and um, maybe my opinion will change in a few months. That season two will be my preferred season. Season one, who knows? And I know like Henry Cavill is like likes stuff like this. Like he's into Warhammer. He said that nice. like publicly in interviews. Like he likes. I know he's gonna like playing Geralt as long as they don't like do him dirty and. Yes, you're right. Eight seasons would be too much. I just threw eight because that's what Game of Thrones has. But, I mean, look at how Game of Thrones ended. Exactly. Hopefully they learned. Yeah. Well, we can honestly do a whole episode on what they should have done with Game of Thrones and, like, <laughs> alternate alternative history of, like, this is what should have happened, yeah. Put our Eastrid hats on and uh, yeah. in the historian world. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe when, like, House of the Dragon releases, we can talk about that show and then maybe give our, like, thoughts ah. on game of thrones like what could have been should have been who knows it's an idea Good to uh, yeah. lock in the vault speaking of eastrid speaking of eastrid it's like i know like probably rubs a lot of people the wrong way like annoying and like the way but i think he's very necessary for exposition like we said before and i'm like i appreciate they it's much needed in a show like this you need someone just to like regurgitate explanations even though it's like okay they're just it's not a really thrilling scene. But, like, I love the whole camaraderie between all the witchers and, like, kind of insulting each other, but they're all, like, best friends. They've been through, like, so much together. Sh- sharing stories, like... Like, don't they insult Gil? They're like, where the hell are all your wounds? Like, we fought this and that, and yeah. you look like you... you nothing's wrong with you. But then again, Geralt, he's a much better fighter, right? So he's not going to have as many wounds. Very good um, point. Yeah. For me, it kind of reminded me of like the Night's Watch. Honestly, I know I just ah, keep comparing The yeah. Witcher to a bunch of other shows, but like that's the vibe I got off of like all these brothers. And Ve- yeah. Vesemir is a much more likable Sir Alistair Thorne. Oh <laughs> my God! Right? There's like a Vesemir spinoff, like animated form on Netflix. Like it's called The Witcher: Night of the Wolf or something. It's about Vesemir. That's what someone was telling me about. Don't take my word. I think I'm gonna, you're like, right. Check it. There yeah. definitely is a ves- like a Witcher Night of the Wolf show, and like it would make sense that it's about him, right? He's the OG White Wolf. Night Nightmare of the Wolf, yeah. Okay. And it's actually a movie. Okay, cool. So there you go. But again, I think I think they know people are interested, so now they're gonna flood us with like little side. Pr- like it's animated, that's fine. If they give us poor like live action content, that's when it's gonna suffer, right? Don't like over like Game of Thrones was smart. They pulled the plug on one of their shows. They're like, hey. It's not going to be top quality. We're not going ahead. We're not greenlighting this project, right? I do hope they revisit that idea, though, right? Like, I know I've already said this a few times on the pod there, but I want that, like, White Walkers and First Men show. Like, that'd be really cool to see. But anyways, said my piece on that multiple times. But yeah, like, I think overall we both recommend the show. And, like, anybody who hasn't, like, if you're still listening and you haven't seen it, I don't know. I mean. God bless you. We we spoiled everything, but yeah, like. 
go rewatch the show if you weren't too keen on it the first time or I don't know look at it through a different perspective like I know season one I was not like really I needed like it was my mother who pushed me to rewatch it because I'm like what the hell's going on I have no idea so like it took it's not a show that it's not a very forgiving show off the bat in terms of like you have to do your homework and put your thinking cap on and maybe people are going to be like Matt what are you talking about super simple you're a moron maybe but like I don't know I watch a lot of stuff I'm very easily I can follow stuff very easily but this one just threw me off I know you posted uh, what people's favorite characters were, yep. Eric. Did we get some submissions? I can, I can go ahead with my answer if you want. Sure, yeah. Who my favorite character from season two is, honestly, <laughs> Vesemir. Oh, wow. Okay, the nice. Witcher commander. I really liked him. So I like He's a side character, but like I loved every scene with him. I just liked his look. Maybe I'm like jealous of his mustache. I don't know. I thought he was badass. Vesemir was great, honestly. Like, and yeah. it was cool to see like the the father figure to Geralt, who's now being a father figure to Siri too. So it was a necessary injection in the show. Like I was a big fan of Vesemir as well. Um, I was actually talking with the Curtis alumni of the show. Yeah. He was not a fan of Vesemir. Like he did not like the actor who played him. Like he just wouldn't oh. buy in to this guy playing Vesemir. And I propose like an alternate actor to play Vesemir. Ian McShane, I feel like would have been a great Vesemir too. Like oh. maybe a, a little bit of a different vibe to this Vesemir, but I feel like there's also a comparison to be made between the two actors. Like they have a kind of similar look and I, he's yeah. a, like, I don't really know the actor who plays Vesemir, but Ian McShane's like a pretty well known and a great actor. Right. So maybe that would have been, been better for him there, but if Ian McShane wasn't like 80 right now, he would have, he could have played him. Yeah. Oh, I love Ian McShane. I mean, who doesn't? Exactly. So that was received Deadwood. well. So my favorite character of season two is actually only in one episode, the the pig man and Nivellin in the first episode. No, I'm just kidding. It was a, yeah, okay. for, for me, honestly, like, Geralt is still the best in my opinion, but I, season two was the series show for me. I was a big fan of her journey, her rise, like the obstacle course and like her perseverance, willingness to become a witcher. Like I, I really wanted her to become a witcher. That would have just like increased her powers tenfold, right? She wouldn't have had to go through as much training but it's not about the destination it's about the journey so you can't just fast forward to the end and get all the power she's got to work for them and tame the beast that she has and i'm looking forward to see what she'll do going forward so i series the my favorite character of season two and obviously Geralt is my favorite character overall though yeah i guess vesemir is like my new favorite character but like Geralt's still like there's no show without henry cavill as Geralt. Um, if you had to choose between either being a witcher or a mage, which life would you want? That's super easy for me, a mage. Okay, nice. Yeah. Witcher, I feel like you're more limited in what you what you can do. In terms of, like, not limited, like, magical abilities and, like, fighting, but just limited into, like, what your purpose is. Like, a mage is, like... Oh, then again, a mage is pretty, like, you're answering to exactly the leaders of the Brotherhood. So, yeah. But, no, I'd rather be a mage. Just, like, what they can do is so cool and... Yeah, yeah, I would go Witcher honestly, like just because they also do have magic. To be able to control magic would be really cool as a mage. But Geralt has some sort of, I think, limited magical abilities compared to like the mages we see. But he still has some and badass fighters. You're with the boys, just like in the Brotherhood, and like going on side quests and um, you know just freeing various villages and towns from beasts that are. Um, threatening uh, the livelihoods of the civilians and you can be a hero like i'd want to be like a good guy witcher of course and uh one that like a friendly face that rolls around friendly neighborhood 
easy. <laughs> just <laughs> so yeah, I would go Witcher, but honestly, Mage would be cool too. But the reason I didn't choose Mage is because, like you said, you're kind of in the service of a lord with whom you may not agree with. But then again, if you play your cards right, you can assert dominance over your lord and then become their overlord. Kind of like a, a Fringilla, Dijkstra. There are quite a few of them that have like a strong influence over them. So you're not necessarily like a pawn in the game yeah. of chess. I think that's all I have to say on Witcher, honestly. Been giving it a good rundown. Do you want to do some quick... Do you have any final thoughts on Witcher? Or, uh... No, I mean... After watching season one, I wasn't sure if the show would improve. And to me, it improved. So I was very satisfied. And it's a show I recommend to everyone. I loved it. Speaking of recommendations, do you have anything you recommend to the people in terms of movies, TV shows, music, anything? Let's get the cat out of the bag right now. Um, a movie came out at the theater like last week. Hit the theater like a firebolt. And that's Spider-Man No Way Home. And like, just like on the Thursday night in North America, it made like $50 million. And I'm like, people were flooding to go see this movie. And I was there the Thursday night and the theater was packed or as packed as it could be. And I was like, okay, I don't think like, Eric, I stayed away from almost every No Way Home trailer. Like I, yes, I knew like the, what everyone was talking about, but major spoilers, by the way, ahead for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, but, like, I, I'm in the theater, and, like, the Marvel logo pops up, and the movie starts right where part two ended, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I think I'm in for a super, like, a huge treat tonight, just like I was watching Infinity Wars and Endgame and Civil War. Like, to me, it had that hype, and after watching, like, 30, like 30 minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh, my God, this has the potential to be ranked among, like, Infinity Wars and Endgame and Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, and... Man, Eric, I had a blast during this movie. Um, I've never seen a theater so animated and, like, pumped. Not since maybe, honestly, The Dark Knight, that night I saw it in San Francisco, 2008. Like, the theater was cheering, not just cheering, like, once in a while. Like, maybe cheering every 10 minutes. Oh, wow, okay. And people, like, were, like, saying stuff out loud. Like, <laughs> not just cheering. They were like, yeah, that's more, like, they were, like... I don't know if because I saw like super late at night and everyone was in a good mood, but man, I've never seen such fan like theater interaction during the movie. And honestly, it made the movie even better to me because it was like everyone had a smile on their face and everyone was enjoying the Spider-Man movie. I mean, myself, Eric, I loved Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on the movie? Well, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. so good. Like, for me, it's yeah. the best movie of 2021 no contest in my opinion it was my favorite movie of the year and like you said it's gonna go down as like top five maybe even higher marvel movie at this point 100 percent. and like making this top five now is gonna be super difficult because there are a lot of heavy hitters in there yeah and um you pretty much listed them all right and like i think it belongs there instant classic i cheered three times yeah. in the theater and wow. um, I even yelled, let's go, like, at one point, And Like, I was super pumped. There are these two young kids next to me who wouldn't stop talking the whole movie. And if it was for, like, another movie, I would have, like, seriously told them, like, yo, you guys got to stop talking. But seeing, like, they're excited and stuff, like, I just let them have their, albeit somewhat annoying, shatter. Wow. I let them go. But everyone was in a good mood in the theater. I was in a good mood. Like, I let that, them talk and stuff. And, uh... When, like, Maddie Murdoch shows up, I was pumped. Like, that's when I yelled. Like, I was like, let's go. Like, that was pretty early in the movie, too. So, I think that yeah. maybe opened the door for the kids next to me to talk. Like, oh, this guy's going to talk, so we're going to talk. So, it's on me. And, uh, no, I had a blast watching it. Andy and I both, like, loved it. Great, um, great action. Like, 
actually the theater cheered more than three times because at the end there when like all the the spider men are fighting there like that elicited a lot of cheers and some classic back and forth banter scenes between the three of them toby hyping up andrew spider like no you're amazing say it you're amazing like just like the super obvious like not job or no they were taking jobs at the amazing spider-man and um no i was all for just like you huge smile on my face i love the movie honestly one of the best yeah a couple of points like a i thought andrew garfield did like He's a great actor, in my opinion. I love him in all the other movies I've seen him in. I don't like his Spider-Man movies. They're, like, the ones that are the weakest. Yep. But, like, he's a good actor, and he showed it in this movie. He was great. Agreed. It didn't, didn't, didn't say too much. Like, he wasn't there super long, but just enough to be, like, to showcase that he could do it. Like, I thought he was definitely... Tom and Andrew are way stronger to me than Toby. Like, Toby Maguire is a little older now. Like, he still did great, but... I don't know. I felt like Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland outshined him. Oh yeah, Toby had the worst acting chops right? of the three. Right. Like it was obvious. Yeah, it's like he was maybe hadn't slept or like I don't know what Toby Maguire is up to these days. I know he's not like, paparazzi's like to tease him because he like goes mental on them yeah. or something. But uh, I thought this movie Eric blended the humor and badass action with like some super heavy moments where it's like you could hear a pin drop in the theater where i was like holy shit this is like i feel like this is like infinity wars at the end with the snap or like end game with the black widow death and like it had those moments where it's like holy like very sad right yep um especially like to me like okay the aunt may thing was like crushed that crushed me but like the last scene in the coffee shop crushed me too eric think about that like you've known this person this long and now like they're talking to you like you're a stranger where you are a stranger to them. Like that to me, that would crush me. Like imagine if your own like parent didn't recognize you or your best friend, like, wow. And like Tom's face was perfect. He did a great job in this movie. He killed Tom it. Holland. I think it was yeah. his best acting um, job of all his Spider-Man appearances. And like, like you said, there's so much variety and diversity and like the range of emotions like sadness it was a dark movie too like even though it had a lot of comedy in it too like all those intense scenes like after aunt may's death and yeah like making the decision to make everyone forget who peter parker is like was tragic like even his goodbyes to his like his boy ned and his girl mj was so sad like you could hear people crying in the theater like oh yeah loud sobs and yeah and it was heartbreaking stuff in that coffee shop scene for me kind of made it clear that that was his goodbye to them that like he could clearly and easily become friends with them again like he has the inside track to their hearts but he made the decision that you know what to be spider-man i can't have a best friend and a girlfriend like it's a necessary sacrifice or a necessary evil to be in this line of work and that makes it even more sad that like he has to choose because he has these powers and you know he has them responsibilities. Yeah, so I was just gonna. Yeah, it was um, heartbreaking stuff. But I'm pumped to see where they go in the next one with him. As long as Tom Holland's around, uh, they're not gonna miss. I don't think with uh, more Spider-Man movies. Also, I want to highlight Green Goblin. Willem yeah. Dafoe killed yeah. it yeah. in this movie. Like honestly, you're gonna give a new generation of kids nightmares like he did to me. It was unreal what he did in this movie. And my, my, honestly, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was when. Tom Holland was just laying a beat down on Goblin at the end, like when they're facing off. And um, I forget what the exact line is, uh, but Goblin goes like, oh, what are you going to do to me or whatever? He's like, 
and then Tom goes, no, I'm going to kill you. And then Goblin goes, boy!" Like, just, like, giving Killed. into his yeah. darkness. And then he just shit-kicking him. And then Toby stepped in. And, oh, I want to rewatch the movie again. So good. Me too now. Uh, Willem Dafoe always has a creepy face. Like, he, he does such a good job of being, like, the two Normans. He did such a great job of doing that. And, like, it was cool to see, like, the Jamie Foxx and uh, Alfred Molina and all of them. But, like, Willem, it was Willem's show. In terms of like bringing back the bad guys, it was Willem Dafoe's like he shined, and I like like the subtle call. Well, maybe not subtle, but the callbacks to like the other movies with like when Andrew Garfield Spider Man rescues MJ, and because when Peter's about to go, uh, when Tom Holland's Spider Man's about to go, and Green Goblin gets him, you're like fuck, and then yeah, and then Andrew doesn't even say anything. He just like he he gives this look of like. Well, at least I didn't miss this one, or, you know, he's thinking about Emma Stone's character. Like, that was sad. To me, like, that hit me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I know exactly what's going on through his head. And, like, just seeing the three Spideys spin around, like, that, the Statue of Liberty, and then landing all in the same, sh- in the same shot. Like, is there a better shot than that so all year? Cool. Come on. Yeah. And apparently, like, they all have their own distinct web, like, style of swinging, and they, like, they made sure, like, everyone was a little different from their respective movies. So, like, that's like kudos and i know there's probably so many easter eggs we missed right eric like in every marvel movie um did you watch the i i watched the first end credit scene but did you watch the second one of course yeah i did it oh god (laughs) come on man i was super late i guess it It was was late true 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 yeah but no no no. we we stuck around did you end up seeing like you know what it was or no i'm i'm that's why i want (laughs) to ask you live well now that scene has been like released publicly like officially i mean on youtube like it's the trailer for the next doctor strange movie oh which i've seen okay okay so yeah it looks unreal i'm so pumped for that movie too (laughs) me too just seeing wanda again like after watching her in uh wandavision like wow and that's what i'm looking forward to seeing in like these future marvel movies all the crossovers now the characters from the tv shows whose story you had to see to understand where they're at in the next movie and how all this, how these are all going to interconnect. Like the next time Bucky and um, Falcon slash Captain Falcon show up, it's going to be off the strength of what happened in their show. So they're just going to be like, oh, this is Captain America now. So yep. like they, they're really making it that you have to watch these shows. And I'm looking forward to seeing like the 2022 shows. A lot of them are for new characters like She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Mrs. Marvel. There are a few others too, I want to say. Anyways, so no, no, I'm yeah. Marvel is heading in an amazing direction going into 2022 with their movies, especially. And uh, Doctor Strange looks unreal. Like the evil Doctor Strange, so pumped to see oh what he's God. gonna do live action. Like we got a, got a taste of it in the What If episode. Exactly. So yeah. I'm pumped yeah. to see them face off. And uh, I don't want to read up too much on it there. Like again, I'm probably gonna have to avoid the internet for this one too because. With the multiverse now, there's potential for like Vision to show up in this movie. I have no idea if he's going to or not, but that's not out of the realm of the possibility that it happens. And like the kids, are they going to show up too? So there's going to be some crazy stuff in that movie. And I love the possibilities that the multiverse offers. Pumped. Exactly. Eric, at the end of No Way Home, when that rift is opening in the sky and mm. you see all these shapes, like they clearly made some of those shapes. Like if you pause, freeze frame and zoom in, like, you can see, like, I think they said, like, Scorpion and a bunch of Spider-Man villains, basically. So, like, we're going to get more. Like, Spider-Man has one of the bo- biggest roster of, like, badass villains, I find. Yep. Like, I remember watching the cartoon show. Spider-Man has a lot of cool villains. 
Speaking of which, one of which I believe is a Kingpin. I'm pretty sure that's like a known Spider-Man yeah. villain as well. Like obviously he's um, Daredevil's main nemesis as well, but Daredevil and Spider-Man. And now I love that they introduced Daredevil in the MCU. Like there's yeah. eventually going to be a team up between these two, or I hope anyways, and Kingpin being their common enemy. So interested to see what they're going to do with that. And we could like segue into final thoughts on Hawkeye too. Like what did yeah. you think of how that show uh, resolved itself good transition because wilson fisk kingpin is there i really like the finale i love uh yelena yeah boy oh, yeah. black widow's sister and like she's awesome no i really like like you said kate did a great job like uh hayley steinfeld did a great job as kate and like the little like they threw a red herring to us like where they made the wife's uh boyfriend like the they made him jack. seem like the bad guy jack yep. but like the, i did not see that coming at all actually that was i thought that was cool um, they, I hate. I did not like Wilson seeming like he's indestructible because he's not superhuman. I don't know. I, I thought that was like the fight scene in the toy store or whatever, or that general store. Yep. I read up on that. And people are just like, well, he's really big and strong and he can take a punch. But I'm like, yeah, but like this is like death defying things in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I didn't wasn't a fan of that. Have you seen like, the show a, Daredevil though? True. He. he I don't know, man. Getting beatings in that show, like. I, right. I did yeah. not like how they treated Fisk, honestly. Like I like I actually like that fight scene with him and Kate. Kate but Kate. I felt like she should have been out cold after being tossed in those like against the wall and stuff like a couple of times she kept getting up. Like yeah, she got kinda lucky in beating him with her little flick and then it landed on a bunch of arrows exploding on him. I'm glad he got out of that. And then obviously at the end there you see the, the back alley gunshot to the face potentially there. Collateral Anyways, from Maya, I don't, I'm don't. i 100% convinced that he's not dead. I think that'd yeah. be a disservice to kill Wilson Fisk that way, especially after everything he and Matt Murdock did to one another in three seasons of Daredevil. You can't introduce a big character like that and then just kill him like that. So, pumped to see him show up again. I thought he did a great job, though, in the episode. Like, Vincent Donofrio, or Frio, oh, however you yeah. say his name, was great, in my opinion. I just feel like he was done dirty with that. His his death is off screen, so it's not really a death. Like he'll be back. Yeah. They always it's a easy it's a movie like think Squid Game. Mm, the nice. only death we don't see on screen, nice. and it's like is he really dead? I don't know. I love Vincent Donofrio. Like frig, like since Full Metal Jacket, you know he's like a young actor. Like as Gomer Pyle, like that's amazing. Mm. Very underrated. People like don't realize how much stuff he's in, and he can change his look too. Like hair bald. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he he's very like I watched him in another movie recently and. Didn't recognize him, recognize him immediately. He had hair and a mustache. And I'm like, oh, that's Vincent D'Onofrio. It was that uh, Sandra Bullock movie on Netflix, The Unforgivable. Okay. He's in that movie and he's really good. So actually, that's a movie I recommend to everyone. The Unforgivable. Okay, nice, nice transition. Sandra Bullock. John Bernthal's in it too. Actually. Hey, okay, let's go. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Very like Wilson Fisk reunion. Exactly. No, ha it's a very, it's not a happy go luck. It's not like a cheerful movie though. It's very like heavy themed and you get that like from the first like the mood in the movie is very dark and yeah might not be for me uh, then i don't know no, yeah kidding. like eric i like if you're in like if you're like if you're sitting down and you don't know what to watch and you're like in the mood for something like depressing but not depressing more like something dark or... yeah it's dark and depressing i'm not, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's not like it's like you know these characters are tied to their fates and it's like nothing's gonna yeah i won't say too much oh. more it's a good movie but it's like Man, watch a comedy right after. Like, throw on, like, Superbad right after or something. Or Step Brothers. I don't know. There's another dark movie on Netflix that just came out with Holly Berry, Bruised. 
where she she directed the movie and stars in it that one's dark too but more like that was more my style of like there's like it wasn't too depressing there was some good stuff in there even though the subject matter is very like screwed up some things that happen but it, it, at the end of the day it's a really good movie so bruised i recommend over the unforgivable i really enjoyed it holly berry still reminds us like why she's a, still a good actress and like you can't if she's in a weaker movie it's not necessarily her fault like she's still a really really good actress but yeah after after like black widow and eternals eric like marvel was looking a little like like they needed a home run to finish the year and i think they hit a grand slam right mm. so well what said. more can we ask? Eagle on every hole. <laughs> right? This was the movie everyone needed at the end of the... For, like, a very tough year for some yeah. people. It, 2021 was weird. It went by fast for a lot of people. It was filled with a lot of, like, you know, pandemic stuff. And to end the year with, like, this superhero spectacle was really, like... It was much needed, I think. So, Couldn't agree good job, more. Marvel. And um, I think on that note, like, I have nothing else to recommend, honestly. Maybe... Uh... I don't either. So yeah, could be a good place to wrap it up. In summary, watch and or rewatch The Witcher, <laughs> and hopefully you're still able to go see Spider-Man in theaters, wherever you may be. So yeah, Matt, any final notes uh, for the listeners? I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode, and that everyone's doing well right now and i hope your holidays went well and look forward to recording more episodes for you guys to enjoy so thank you yes sir so yeah thanks a lot everybody for listening stay tuned for episodes dropping every two mondays continue to stay safe love you all and yeah peace